0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and you're on Twitter at MMALOTN. We are back. It feels like fucking forever. I was telling my man Big Rob that if that one day comes where, or sorry, that three-week stretch comes where there's no fucking UFC event, and I have to be absent from this this chair for three weeks, it's going to be like putting on a new glove after I get back. I'm not looking forward to it. I hate these like one week breaks, two week breaks, uh, but I gotta, you know, I gotta kind of use that time to really just fucking chill out, uh, it's a lot of work that goes into the studying, as you guys obviously know, there's 12 fights a card, sometimes 13 fights a card, so you really gotta dedicate your time and trying to find those spots that you can feel like you can exploit, Um, so I I was so happy for that one week off, uh, you know, the Bellator card that I did make bets on this past week, uh, it seemed more like no brainer uh, plays for me. So I was really looking forward to, uh, you know, just fucking taking some time off and, uh, refreshing my brain, uh, and getting back into it, especially coming off a little bit of a, a rough stretch to the last couple of events, uh, you know, excluding Bellator 225. Uh, so let's, let's go. Actually, you know what, we're going to be going over UFC Shenzhen, uh, Shenzhen. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, Headline by Jessica Andrade against Wiley Zhang. I've been high on Zhang since she made her UFC debut. I think she's going to be a problem for Jessica Andrade. Will she defeat her? I don't know. You're just going to have to stay tuned or just fucking skip to the end and see if I actually picked her or not. Regardless, uh, first let's go over the uh, past two events that I had since that's the last time uh, we spoke. Uh, UFC 241, Anaheim. Uh, Headline by Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Uh, I was... I don't. I can't remember the last time I've ever been as confident in a fighter as I was Daniel Cormier before going into a fight. Uh, you know, especially the last time he fought Steve Miocic. I should have made that my locker the night play at that plus two forty crazy. Uh, odds that I got, but I don't know. I, I, I shied away from the trigger as uh, that much. Uh, still ended up playing two units on him. Wish I played more. Regardless, I was super confident in, in him coming back this time around. You know, Stipe Miocic out for a whole year. Daniel Cormier just everywhere skillfully is probably the better fighter, and that showed for about three and a half rounds before uh, Stipe started to take over with those body shots, but you know, as a boxer, he's probably the better boxer, but he was implementing such a weird game plan. I, I know my man Kenny Florian went uh, really hard on this last week uh, on his Anakin Florian podcast, but man, with the skill set and fight IQ that Daniel Cormier has, it was kind of, uh, it was almost appalling that he was going in with that type of game plan. I completely understand, you know, keeping Steve on his back foot. Pressuring, but I feel like his striking defense could have been a little bit better. Regardless, Stevie made an adjustment in that third round uh, and just fucking or fourth round, I. It's been two weeks. I can't fucking remember. It was either third or fourth round. He made that adjustment, uh, started going to the body of Daniel Cormier, uh, and then eventually put him out. Man, that was a tough L to take considering how well Daniel Cormier, uh, you know, or uh, the fact that Cormier was up pretty much three rounds before he actually got finished. The, those ones are kind of the worst, you know, the fight's really going your way, uh, but. Especially when the guy's kind of taking more risks, like he had a flaw this first round after he took Stipe down and was able to control him. Stipe had nothing off his back, couldn't even get up either. Uh, so you would think that a guy like Daniel Cormier with a wrestling prowess and the cardio that he's shown, in uh, sorry his cardio that he's shown in his past couple fights, you know, we know that he can go the five rounds. We know that he has the gas tank, and he's even gone with the to, with the goat uh, five rounds as well. So. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more of a wrestle-heavy uh, game plan here from Cormier. It seemed like he wanted to get uh, Miocic out of there early. However, you know, even if you implement a wrestling game plan, I think he could have opened up some submission opportunities for himself too. Um, but he chose to fucking fight it the hard way and he ended up taking the L. And so did we. Minus five units on a lock of the night play there. Very, very fucking demoralizing. Uh, not to mention everything else that happened that night. So I ended up going two and three that night with Cormier you know, kind of capping it off. Uh, I'll quickly go over the other ones. I had a 1.5 unit play at plus 120 on Hannah Ciphers and uh, Kyung Ho Kang. Uh, yeah, probably should have made that my lock of the night play, if anything. Uh, next up, we had Manny Bermudas against Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny always coming on top on some of these scrambles. You know, Manny Bermudas uh, loves his hunt for that submission, so he comes. He often gives up his position, but you know, up until this point, he's always found the the, the finish. Uh, unfortunately, Casey Kenny was able to stay out of those submission attempts uh, and then uh, eventually right away with that decision victory, I believe it was. Uh, next up, uh, another hit that I had was Nate Diaz. Uh, plus 118 for 1.25 units is what I bet on it. 1.47 units profited. I love that play, man. Like, Anthony Pettis is a guy that can be easily broken, and... Uh, I kind of learned that in the Poirier fight, Poirier and Pettis. And uh, I was really high on Pettis going into that fight, but it seemed like as soon as things were not going his way, he would always find a way to get out. Uh, I know I bet on him against Tony Ferguson. That was strictly on you know based on the fact that he was a plus three hundred underdog. Uh, and if Tony Ferg- you know Tony Ferguson leaves himself to get hit, and Anthony Pettis is pretty precise with most of his striking. Uh, however, you know Tony Ferguson's pace and pressure, which I believed would have been the culprit of his victory there. Um, you know, it came through fruition, and it and it broke Anthony Perez and Nate Diaz goes out there and breaks Anthony Perez again. So if you can get fucking anybody against Anthony Perez, at plus, you know, at plus money, uh, but not just anybody's right. Some somebody that's known to have forward pressure, very durable, uh, and a great fighter, just like Nate Diaz. You got to take the fucking shot, even if Nate has been off for as long as he was off. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then lastly, I had then Ian Heinisch loss to Derek Brunson. I think that was more of a an impulsive play on my part. You know, I, I got to be fucking smarter than that. It's so dumb that I I made that mistake. Uh, but uh, I thought that with the tools that Ian Hynish presents, he was going to be able to break Brunson as well. Brunson, Brunson you know, kind of fucking stuck it through and, and showed that he was the better fighter that night. So, big ups to anybody that cashed on Derek Brunson at plus money. Uh, I gotta fucking take that L and and just fucking and and just move the fuck on. So, uh, overall for UFC 241 minus 8.72 units, brutal brutal night. Uh, three and two on bet, or sorry, two and three on bets. Uh, but I came back with a small victory this past weekend at Bellator 225. Uh, first off, I had a actually a parlay of Tyro Fortune and. Um, Vitaly Minikov, uh when he was originally supposed to fight uh, Javier Ayala however um, Ayala pulls out I can't remember why and we get Timothy Johnson to fight him uh, on pretty much short notice so uh, on a day's notice hours notice I should actually say um, so with fortune uh, you know it ended up, that partly ended up Canceling out, we got Tyrell Fortune straight up two units minus 423. Nothing to fucking gloat about there, but he gets the victory plus 0.47 units on that play at 24% ROI. But whatever, I'll fucking take it. Uh, and then next up, I had uh, a 1.5 unit play on the under one and a half on the main event, which was Matt Mitrion against Sergei uh Haritanov Uh, that was. 1.5 units to profit 1.15 units. So I end Bellator 225 at 1. Point, plus 1.63 units for a 46% ROI. Uh, I'll fucking take it. You know what I mean? A win is a win uh, even if it's two units on a minus 4.23. So that kind of brings us to our next event, which is UFC Shenzhen. Uh, it's a card littered with uh, UFC debuts. Uh, people who are just making their second fight in the UFC. It's a uh, it's a salty card. I'm. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be shy about it. You know, for for a, an MMA handicapper like myself, obviously, when you start putting in time and watching some of these people, you want to see how these matchups end up transpiring and how they actually, uh, you know, turn out based on, uh, the information that you gather gathered from watching their past fights. And you know, if it wasn't for that aspect alone, like a, a guy like Tony, like my co-host on Combatants or, you know, even for a guy like Rob you don't you don't give a fuck about shit like this you know what i mean like tony is a hardcore is a hardcore casual as i like to say uh and i think with even him we said on the last episode of the Combat stories that well, there's a lot of these fights we'll probably just skip through you know uh, i'm going to force him to watch a couple of these fights because there are some matchups that i really want to see how they play out uh but yeah very very salty card in terms of name value but you know names that are pretty big right off the bat. Demir Ismagulov Demir against Thiago Moises. That's a fucking phenomenal fight. You're talking about a guy that's 18 and one fighting a guy that's 12 and three. Who is you know he's come across. He's coming off a victory, but uh, very talented guy. Um, what other fights? Are- Jumping out. The return of Anthony Hernandez. You know, I'm very interested to see how he bounces back from that loss to Marcus Perez uh, against a a striker. And this should be a very fun fight against Jun Young Park. Uh, Very, very fun fight. Both guys like to slug. uh, So I think that'll be very entertaining. So they may not have the name value, but I know for sure they'll bring a show and a lot of people will know them uh, after this card. Fuck, I keep hitting the goddamn... All right, hopefully that's all right. Anyway, uh, Kanan Song against Derek Krantz. That might be another Cracker Jack... Uh the UFC debut of Mizuki in a way, yeah. I-, I love my man Movzar Evluev. Evlu- Evlu- uh I wish he was still fighting uh Mike Grundy. Uh however Grundy had to pull out so now he's actually having a rematch with somebody he fought on the local circuit. Um what else? Kaikar France, he's always fun. Uh and then obviously the top two is probably what everybody's kind of here for. We got Easy Dos Santos against uh Li Jing Liang. Very fucking uh, hype for that fight. Both guys love to throw bombs. Uh, but Zaleski has shown his jujitsu in his last fight. So maybe that might be something that he tries to approach here. But I think that's going to be a fun fight regardless if it hits the matter or not. Uh, and then our main event. Jessica Andrade against Wiley Zhang. <sighs> fucking phenomenal fight. I think that's the fight that they could have made uh, at that division and at that time. So, uh, you know, very stiff test for Andrade. Uh, will she pass it? Let's fucking find out. Regardless. Uh, I'm not even going to bother with the fucking slideshow this time around. I'm sure all of you guys fucking know that all of those fighters, at least 70% of those fighters probably don't even have their pictures uploaded at UFC.com. So I'm not even going to bother. Their poster, I won't lie, is pretty fucking sick, so we can stare at that for a little bit. I wish my man LV was actually making posters still, and he probably could have done something nice for this too, but this art is pretty fucking dope anyway, so I'll take that. All right, let's start off at the uh, bottom of the card. We got Bat Garel Dana against Haile Alatang. I know my man, fucking John Ennick, might fucking uh, roll his eyes at some of these pronunciations, but at least he's not fucking doing the card either, so I'm sure he understands a little bit. Uh, Let's start off with Dana. I'm hoping that it's pronounced Dana. Regardless, uh... He is 6-1. Uh, and one. His only loss comes to actually a guy that beat his opponent as well. This guy named Basan Koo Uh It was a fight where uh, Dana was having a lot of success on the feet, I think. Uh, but then Damlan Purev was always able to put him on uh, his back and do heavy damage from there too. He was really beating up uh, Dana from the ground uh, bottom position. I was kind of surprised uh, that... Um, that he was able to actually withstand that. Um, You know, with Dana, he's a guy that hasn't been fighting that often, too. He fights very inconsistently as well in terms of his debut was in 2011, then he fought in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. Then he had a three-year layoff after that loss, uh, and then he came back with two victories. So, I think I think he's a good striker. You know, I think he has a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of potential in the striking aspect. But I don't know, uh, you know, seeing how easily he was being taken down by Dmytro Perov, uh, if he's going to be able to actually uh pull off a victory here because highly Alatang, you know in his last three fights hes shown nothing but striking uh however before that he's been assumed to be a very uh, heavy grappler uh, a guy that likes to you know kind of lean on the grappling more often than not and he's always a guy that seems to be at a little bit of a size disadvantage so he stands at five six uh i want to see where the other guy is um I forgot to compare their heights but yeah, 5'7". Uh, we don't really have the reach at the moment right now. So he is going to be giving up a slight uh, size disadvantage here. I'm sure he'll probably have the smaller reach. So you want to see him kind of close the distance, uh, try to get this fight to the ground. And from what I've seen from uh, Dana, he is kind of easy to get down. So I was kind of surprised to see highly uh, at a little bit of a dog uh At dog money, uh, considering he has a little bit of a—not even a little bit—a solid path to victory here with the grappling, Uh, you know. Even though we haven't seen it in his last three fights, maybe that kind of adds to the plus money uh, incentive there. You know, maybe a lot of people are thinking that he's going to start getting away from the 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 grappling game that he has, but I feel like he'll notice that. You know, he has what uh, 1920 fights. He's a veteran, man. He's been fighting for a while. I'm pretty certain that he knows he may have the the disadvantage in the the the, the, the striking here, uh, which you know was kind of the was kind of the the story in his last two fights. He still ended up knocking those guys out too. But I feel like he can definitely lean on his grappling uh, if it gets a little bad uh, or if the going gets rough, as they say. Uh, and I think at what's he at now? God damn that line closed hard. So, I saw Hylia Alatang around plus 180 yesterday, and now he is plus 120. So, I should not have fucking waited. But uh, I I like him at plus money, and this much, uh, I got to see where the line goes. Um, Yeah, uh, I I like Hylia Tang at plus money. So, if you can get him at like plus 120, plus 130, uh, I would definitely take the stab on him. But I do do think that he, uh, his the disadvantage on him will be uh, you know in the striking realm. So I I would be very wary uh, if he can get highly at plus money. Uh, but I'll take Alatang regardless. Um, I think he gets a victory here. He, he implements his grappling uh, and pulls off a decision victory. <coughs> Something in the throat today, guys. I apologize. All right, let's move on to our next fight. We have Carol Rosa versus um, Lara. Procopio. I hope I nailed that. Um, Starting off with Carl Rosa. Uh, She loves her striking. Uh, She's on that PRVT team. Uh, I feel like a couple of the Pitbull brothers are there too. Uh, It's just a a logo I've seen uh, almost everywhere. Let me see if I can pull up that. Uh, Jessica Andrade is from that team. Hanato Mo- oh Hanato Monaco <laughs> not even Moicano um Ederson Mohea. so there are some guys that were from the st- I P- Priscilla Cashwera seems to be on it Man, there seems like a lot of other people that I feel like were on this team because I always see that fucking, that logo everywhere. Anyway, uh, she is a striking dominant fighter. You know, in her last fight against Giselle Mejia, she showed a lot of great leg kicks. Uh, She ended up finishing the fight near the end of the the, the third round, so uh, with about 39 seconds to spare. Uh, But uh, I think in this fight with Lara Procopio, who's going to be looking for the takedown and trying to get submissions as often as she can or at least, you know, as, as soon as she can, um... I think she's gonna have some trouble here. Um, I think Carol does a little does a very good job of bringing her feet back uh, after she kicks, and she's very uh, she's very pertinent on making sure she implements her leg kick game as well. She did a lot of damage to Dizel, uh, which ended up leading to that finish. Uh, so in this fight against Lara, I think she needs to maintain that confidence in her leg kicks and make sure she gets them back quickly enough that Lara isn't able to kind of jump in on a takedown. Uh, I'm not taking too much. Um, I'm not taking too much from the fact that Carl was able to um, stuff all of Giselle's takedowns. Giselle was a thirty-eight year old. You know, didn't seem the strongest. Seemed like she was giving up strength in that fight. Uh, and Laura Procopio is, you know, a younger fighter. I think she's a little bit stronger than Giselle. So we got to be sure that you know uh, she's going to be the s- smaller one too. So. Uh, or the shorter one, so she might have a little bit more, uh, the you know, the ability that her f- hips are going to be lower to the ground, she might have the better advantage of getting this fight to the ground, so uh, uh, the fight being at a pick em is kind of you know, is 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 understandable, uh, I, this is a stay-away fight for me, completely, to be completely honest, both girls aren't like the most sharp girls either, uh, one is obviously more proficient in striking than the other, and the other one seems to have a pretty good jiu-jitsu game, uh, but I don't know who, I, you know what, I'll go with Carl Rosa strictly due to the fact that I think she, you know, her stand-up or more polished stand-up will be able to keep her fight, uh, on, keep the fight standing. Uh, and I think that she's going to beat up Lara on the feet. But uh, you guys know me, i like to, I prefer the grappler in most instances, but definitely not this time around. I'm, uh, but it's, I, it's not confident enough in me to actually make a bet on Carl. But if you're going to force force me to make a pick, it's going to be uh Rosa for sure. All right, next up is uh, Tiago Moises against Demir Ismagulov. That line as well is really closing. uh, And it opened at minus 387 for Demir, got up to minus 258, got back down to minus 360, and now it's roughly around the minus 167 range. That just shows you how confident people are in Tiago Moises. Uh, I I love Ismagulov. The only issue that I have with him is sometimes uh, sometimes it feels like he can... uh, you know, take a little bit too much time to implement his game. You know, he has—he's a very striking, heavy fighter. Uh, you know, he likes to methodically pick apart his opponents. But if you're going into a fight like that with Tiago Moises, I think Moises could even win this fight with with volume alone. Uh, I don't think that he will win this fight, though. Uh, I don't think that Ismagulov deserved the minus three hundred ish type of uh, price range she was initially at i think this fight is definitely a lot closer which is why the line is reflecting that or the line movement is currently reflecting that but i don't know if we'll actually see demira's mogulov flip to an underdog Uh, I think that the line will stick probably around the minus 150-ish range. I think there's still going to be some movement coming in on Moises. Uh, But I like his Magulov here. If I can get him at the minus 150-ish range, I might just drop a 1.5-unit play on him. I think he's very efficient with his striking. Uh, Obviously, yeah, his work rate is a little bit to be uh, desired. However, uh, I think he does enough always to win, and I think he's going to be the better striker here against Thiago Moises, and might be able to lull him into some of these. Uh, you know, the one thing that I did well against Joao Alvarez is uh, kind of faint a jab to the body, but that would always force Joao to bring his guard down, and then he'll come right over with the right uh, right hook, or or just an overhand right of some sort and land cleanly. Um, his his elusive style with the striking is he's, he's very. Uh, he moves very well, too. He has a lot of good upper body movement as well to, you know, uh, slip and slide out of some of the slip and slide, you know, slip some of these shots uh, and then come back with the counter of his own. So I think that he'll have the advantage on the feet here. And I don't think he has much to worry about in terms of this fight hitting the ground. Uh, I, I don't believe that Moises possesses the the, the takedown ability to get Mo, uh, Isma Gulav down. Uh, so I think this is a close fight for sure. I'm gonna wait till at least a minus 150ish range for Demir if it actually hits that, uh, and then probably drop just a 1.5 unit play on him. Uh, but I, I think he's probably one of the more efficient strikers out there in the in the UFC, uh, just the UFC roster in general. I think he has a huge ceiling. Uh, I think he definitely has title aspirations in the you know very near future, uh, and I think. Uh, uh, a decision victory over here to with uh, against Thiago Moises is probably what we're going to get um yeah it's it's hard for me to pick against moises because i did actually bet him uh in his fight against Beniel de Reus- or sorry yeah, in his fight against Benio Daryoshi, even though he lost that fight. Uh, but I think that Demir just picks him apart on the feet. Uh, and Tiago is never able to get this fight to the ground. Where he will probably have a little bit more of an advantage. Uh, however, I think that Ismagulov is just too good. Uh, and will keep this front of the feet and just pick him apart and win. So, I will bet it at minus 150 if I, if I get that price tag. Uh, and I am picking Demir Izmagulov to win by decision. Next up we got dot. Young against Khadis Ibrahimov. Uh, unfortunately, one of the fights I have not gotten the chance to really dig into, um, but I am going to take Khadis uh, Ibrahimov. What I bet him at minus 280. Definitely not. I'm not that confident in the guy. Uh, he is 8-0. Um, just believe that, damn, he looks like he's like At least in his mid thirties, the guy's fucking twenty four. That's hilarious, Uh, but I think he's an interesting uh, addition to the to the light heavyweight division, uh, and I think he's going to have a little bit of a war with Daung Jung, uh, but I think he still gets the finish here. Uh, That is Kadir, sorry Kadiz. Kadir. Goddamn. All right, next up we got Andre Sukumtar against Sumaderji. Sumaderji coming off a pretty, a pretty, you know somewhat impressive uh, bout against Luis Smoker, even though he got uh, armbarred in the second round uh, but he showed a lot of good submission defense there was a lot of things that seemed to give Luis Smoker trouble there uh, you know he's mainly a striker uh, but he really showed off a lot of good uh, jiu-jitsu defense and jiu-jitsu in general had a couple of cool sweeps uh, was able was close to locking up a, a triangle as well but uh, Smoka was able to slip out of it uh, and then he eventually succumbed to an arm bar in that second round. But I think that, you know, he showed a lot of people that he had uh, a decent ground game. Uh, but I don't think that's something that he's going to have to worry about here against Andre Sukumta. I think this is a fight that will mainly play out on the feet. And if anybody is going to kind of uh, implement the grappling game, it might be Andre Sukumta. But I don't feel confident enough in that. Uh, you know, he probably has mm-hmm. the world's worst fight. IQ. Like, you know, we all know the story, so I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, but I think that. This fight will probably play out on the feet. Uh, I do think that uh, Sukumta has some great striking, uh, but I do think that uh, there might be some, uh, you know, hometown advantage playing in here with Sue. Uh, What's the odds on that fight right now? Plus 158 ish with Sue. Uh, I'd have to look into it a little bit more. Uh, It's really hard to get fucking tape on Sue. Uh, These WLF uh, fucking. The, that promotion WLF it's just so hard to fucking find fights on these guys. Uh man, he fights like every two or three months when he fighting for WLF wars. Uh regardless, um I d gotta r- run a little bit more tape. I do ha- I do believe I have one more fight on the tape index. That's not the Louis Smoker fight, so I'll definitely take a look into that. Uh but Andre Sukumtad, I think he's just gonna try to keep this on the feet. It's gonna be a striking contest. Uh I don't feel confident playing Andre Sukumtad at minus one seventy or so. Uh so Dogger Pass situation, and I will pick Sue uh, to win as well. Will I bet it eventually? Maybe. Like I gotta, d- I want to dig it a little bit more. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sukumtara is just definitely, definitely not a guy you ever want to have your fucking money on. All right, let's move on to the next fight: Anthony Hernandez against Jun Yun Park. I think this fight will probably be the fight of the night. These guys come out for war pretty much every fucking fight. Uh, I want to see what the fight doesn't go to decision is at. Cause that might be an interesting play here. Ooh, minus 175. It's actually not too bad. That might be a potential lock of the night play worthy. Uh, but both guys are strikers. Um, with Anthony Hernandez, he was a guy that I was really huge on coming into the UFC. Uh, you know, he had his Dana White Contender Series fight. Uh, changed to a no contest because he's... I think it has... Blech. I think he tested positive for marijuana, so uh, (laughs) it was a 40-second demolishing of the can-crusher Jordan Wright. Let's see what that guy's been up to. He's still 9-0. He hasn't fought since the Anthony Hernandez fight. That was probably just like a huge wake-up call for him. If anybody doesn't know who the fuck Jordan Wright is, this guy has a combined uh, opponent's record of um, not including Anthony Hernandez, but what is it, 8 Eight, his last opponents have had eight wins that's nine straight opponents who have a combined eight wins and 5 15, 36, 41 eight and 41 record for his opponents. that is the worst fucking string of fights I've ever seen for somebody uh before they got into like somewhat of a bigger promotion in uh Dana White's contender series. Uh, but, yeah, getting back to fucking Anthony Hernandez, I think the guy is massively talented, you know. He did very well against Marcus Perez, even though Perez was uh, implementing a heavy, kind of clinch-heavy game in that first Uh, That first round by Anthony Hernandez was definitely taking over with his striking uh, near the end of that round. Uh, And then in that second round, man, he got clipped hard with that uh, liver kick by Marcus Perez. Uh, Anthony Hernandez could not put on his poker face at all. He comes crumpling down uh, defense for a decent amount, uh, and then eventually Marcus Perez ends up locking up an anaconda choke uh, and choking out Anthony Hernandez a minute and seven seconds into that second round. That was a great fight you know, uh, with as much as Perez was trying to clinch Hernandez Hernandez was always fighting out uh, landed some beautiful elbows uh, definitely won that first round in my opinion even though he had uh, a pretty bad cut on him uh, but you know Perez comes out there and submits him in the second round uh, just a bump in the road for him you know I think this fight against Jun Young Park is going to be a, a kind of a tell and I think it's a kind of the perfectly styled matchup as well if I'm not mistaken um you know Jun Young Park has the tendency to pretty easily get taken down Uh, in the Glenn Sparv fight. uh, You know, Sparv was even landing takedowns when he was on his knees. It was kind of sad, actually. But uh, you got to give the props to Young Park, though. He was able to get back up pretty easily. But I think a guy who may have better top uh, control might be able to keep Park down. So that might be an issue for him. Uh, however, uh, you know, he landed heavy, heavy fucking shots on Sparv. Insane that Sparv was able to handle that for 15 straight minutes. Uh, it just had the worst striking defense I've probably ever seen either. So Jung Young Park, very clean and crisp and, and tight with his striking. Beautiful striking, actually. I was very, very impressed with him, uh, with the display that he put on in that Sparv fight. But in a guy with Anthony Hernandez, he's getting a guy that's probably a little bit more polished than, Park, um, I'm sorry, than, than Sparv. Uh, and uh, I think that Hernandez might come back here and and, and pull off a victory. Um, I hope he doesn't make it dicey for him. I hope that he's able to actually, um, you know, implement a little bit of a smarter game. I know I said that this might be the fight of the night, and I truly believe it will still be the fight of the night, but I think that if, if Anthony Hernandez comes out there and tries to grapple uh, John Young Park and try to make this a dirty fight, he probably will get the nod. Um, I think that Young Park is kind of more so just uh, so firm on his stand and bang style and and he's going to out macho you in a sense where he's just going to land the bigger and better shots. I think that might play against him here. I think that uh, Hernandez uh, will stay in this fight. Uh, you know, I still praise his durability. You know, that fight he had against Brendan Allen, five straight rounds against a tough, tough guy in Brendan Allen, who definitely deserves to be in the UFC. I think he did get a contract, if I'm not mistaken, uh, off the contender series. Uh, but I love Hernandez here. You know, uh, what I bet him, though, what's he at right now? Minus 181. I think that's a little high for me. You don't know how a guy is really going to come back from taking their first ever career loss. Um, I think that he has all the skills in the world to win this fight uh, and, you know, pretty much the fight IQ to win this fight as well. Um, But it's tough. It's tough. Minus 185 is a little bit high for me. If he gets down to maybe the minus 130-ish range, I would think about betting him. Uh, But right now, I'm just going to stay away from that fight. But I will take Anthony Hernandez to win by... um, Let's say second round TKO. Yeah, I might also look at that fight doesn't go decision. Uh, I think that has some value for sure. Both guys are finishers, you know. What's that? One, two, three, four. You know, Jung Jung Park has only gone to a decision four times in his 13 fight career. While Anthony Hernandez, I believe, has only gone to a decision one time. Which was all five rounds, yeah. He's only gotten a decision decision one time. So, with those with those chances, I I, I like this fight to potentially not go to a decision. Uh, But I will also pick Anthony Hernandez second round finish. All right, next up, another fight that will probably be a barn burner is Kanan Song against Darren Krantz. Both guys love to strike. Darren Krantz, you know, had that unfortunate loss to Vicente Luque last time around. I believe it was a last-minute call-up as well. So, you know, big up to him for actually taking the fight uh, and going up against a guy like Vicente Luque, who's a fucking killer. Um I think this is a kind of a match made in heaven for both of these guys. This is the type of fight that they were both looking for. Uh, you know, they want stand and bangers, uh, and these both both of these guys will probably stand and bang. It's crazy how many fights Derek Kranz has had. He's twenty four and eleven coming into this fight compared to Kanan Song who's fourteen and five. <sighs> I'll go with Derek Krantz I just feel like he'll have the, the smarter game plan going into this. Uh, I don't think he'll have much trouble with the size of Kanansong. Song. I think that he'll be fine. Uh, I think he'll land the bigger shots. Uh, it's funny. He gives up about two inches in height, uh, but actually has two and a half more inches in reach. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Krantz here. Uh, let's see what the odds are. Even. I wouldn't even mind looking at uh, the potential fight doesn't go to decision either. What's that at? Uh, minus 185. Maybe that Maybe that might be the play for this fight. I'll take a look at that a little bit harder. But uh, I'm going to take Krantz by third round TKO. Uh, I think he just, you know, his durability holds up against Song. Uh, and then he just out-cardios and TKOs on Song in the third round. Um, next up, we got Mizuki Inoue against Yunan Wu. Uh, the fucking tough thing here for Mizuki Inoue is she's coming up in weight. Uh, you know, she fought last time at 115. She's coming up to 125. I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, but I think the fact that she's making her UFC debut against, uh, you know, a UFC-tested fighter who's fought twice in the UFC already, as well as coming off a... Uh, Armbar victory over Lauren Mueller her last time around. Excuse me, guys. She was a plus 305 underdog going into that fight. That was crazy. Uh, And she pulled off an armbar. Uh, Skill wise, I I think that Mizuki Inoue is the better fighter. Uh, But with all those other X factors going into this fight, it's tough for me to pick Mizuki Inoue. She's roughly around plus, or sorry, minus 135 or so. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to pass on this fight. I will take anyway by decision, uh, but I just—it's just too many, too many things that you got to—you uh, got to take into consideration going into that fight. And is the risk really worth it in that fight? Not in my opinion. All right, next up we got Zen Hong Lu against Movsar Evloev, Evloev, and for everybody out there, this is actually the second time they fought. Uh, they fought, when was this, way back in June 6th, 2015, where mozar Evloev grinded his way to a decision. Uh, you know His grappling is just so imposing, man. He's one of the guys I really have my eyes on. Uh, he definitely showed it in his last fight against Sungwoo Choi, uh, where he just grinded out Choi for three straight rounds. Stay out, stayed out of the harm of the striking and eventually got this fight to the ground consistently. Uh, and I was really interested to see how it would work against a guy like Mike Grundy who kind of has the same kind of style. So it would have been easy, uh, interesting to see was that English style of Mike Grundy going to take over the Russian fucking uh, wrestling style of Evloev. Uh However, seems like we're going to have to wait on that. I hope they rebook that fight after this fight. Uh, but we'll see if Movsar actually comes out with the victory here. From what I've seen from both guys, uh, I think that Movzar have has definitely gotten even more comfortable with his um, his 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 imposing grappling, uh, and I don't think that Zen Huang has actually uh, made any uh, improvements in that aspect or anything significant enough to not think that the exact same thing is going to happen this time around. Uh, the fucked up thing is that was Movzar's second fight as a professional MMA fighter. So in 2015, how old was this kid? In 2015, he was 21. So at 21 years old, he comes in against an eight-fight uh, veteran, eight fight, eight pro fights in Zen Honglu, uh, and just completely just out grapples him, out him, out out outputs him. Um, I lo- oh fuck, he's minus 700 now. God damn. I was honestly looking to parlay him, even if he was in the minus 400-ish range. But minus seven hundred is just fucking ridiculous. I gotta see if that line somehow, some way, comes back down a bit. Uh, but I, I love fuck. I love Mozart. I, He will always be one of my parlay pieces. Uh, you know, no worse than minus five hundred or so. But he was always going to be that cherry on top until I can, until he goes up against a guy possibly like Mike Grundy. You know, I I would have to see what the odds were on that fight were. Um, yeah, obviously they didn't have it, but I would love to see what the odds on that fight would have been. Uh, but uh, against guys like Hong uh, Lu, you gotta go with Movsar. So I'm gonna go with Movsar by decision. I will give Zen Hong Lu. Uh, you know he does have some durability, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, but I think that uh, Movsar Evluev by decision. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'll wait and see what that uh, what that uh, that prop bet looks like, and I'll probably just fucking play that if it's in playable range. Minus 175 for the fight goes to decision, uh, but I'll see what mo- what moves are by decision is, uh, and maybe make a small play on that. All right, next up we got Mark De La Rosa versus Kai Kara France. Uh, Mark De La Rosa loves to try to get this fight to the- loves to get fights to the ground and try to implement his jiu jitsu uh, against Alex Perez. He was just a little bit too comfortable on the back end. And tried pulling off submissions that he probably wasn't going to be able to pull off. Uh, Alex Perez, you know, advances to 21 and, uh, sorry, 22 and 6, I believe, with that victory, uh, while Mark Dillon Rosa falls to 11 and 2. It's kind of unfortunate that he's like he's giving up that much reach. Yeah, what was he? 135 against Alex Perez, and now he gets to go back down to 125 against Kai Kara France. So uh, he'll finally be, you know, in the weight class that he probably should be at, considering the height that he's at. Uh, he'll be slightly taller than Kai Kara France here, uh, but he'll give up an inch and a half in reach. Um, it's gonna be pertinent for Mark Dillon Ross to get this fight to the ground. You know, Kaikar of France really uh, throws bombs. Uh good striker, uh decent all around fighter. Uh since his uh what was it? He was on the Ultimate Fire season twenty four uh, he lost that, then went to Risen, lost that fight. But since then, he's won seven straight fights, uh, as well as two straight in the UFC, one coming off a huge victory over Howling Paiva, who was 18-1 going into that fight. Um, yeah, I, it, it's if if Kaikara France is able to keep this fight on the feet, which I believe he'll able to do he should be able to land bombs on mark de la Rosa uh and just you know hurt him uh and make it a much diff- much more difficult fight for him <sighs> I don't know how much further I can really get into that fight because it's kind of just a striker versus grappler in my opinion uh with the striker just being able to throw bombs uh yeah I'm gonna take Kaikar France here what's the odds minus 235. Yeah, I, I'm not going to play Kai Car France that high. You know, Mark De la Rosa could definitely pull it off, uh but I don't see that outcome likely. Uh so i will definitely go with Kai Car France probably probably by decision here. Um you know, sliding the heavier shots, never really putting De la Rosa out uh and then getting the victory that way. But wouldn't play him above minus 200. Just being honest. All right, next up we got Alessio. I like fuck it. I like to call him easy Dos Santos. Uh Easy Zaleski dos Santos. E. Zaleski dos Santos? Easy Dos Santos, as my guys from the co-main event podcast normally say. So Easy Dos Santos against the Leech, Lee Jing Leong. This fight is probably gonna give Anthony Hernandez and Jung Young Park a run for their money for fight of the night. Uh guys are these guys are bangers, you know, but Zaleski has shown like even in his last fight against Curtis Millander, if he needs to take a fight to the ground and that's probably the best way for him to win, then he's going to fucking do it. Uh, will he pull it out here against Jing Liang? I think he, he will try to test the striking a little bit more here. I don't think he's going to be as uh, dead set on getting a takedown like he was against Curtis Millinder. Uh I think he wants to test out his striking here. You know, Lee Jing Liang is not the most technical striker, striker, but definitely throws with a lot of heat, um, has good leg kicks. Um, you know, he had a war against David Zawada and then eventually won by a sidekick to the body. Um fuck uh i believe i bet the under two and a half on that against lee and david and then it just fucking ended with 53 seconds left in the third uh but in terms of this fight uh, y- there's no way you can't go with zaleski dos santos you know he's minus 290 i may potentially think of uh parlaying him here with somebody um maybe not 100 percent certain Uh, But I do like this fight for Zaleski. I think he has the better ground game. Is he going to take it to the ground? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I do like his jiu-jitsu a little bit better, um, and I do like his striking a little bit better. He might be a little wild at times, but I think technically he's going to have the advantage here on Lee, uh, and I think he'll be able to dictate the pace on the feet a little bit better than Lee as well. So I'm going to take uh, Zaleski here. Will he be able to finish him? I don't think so. I think this will be more of an outpointing than it is a finish. Uh, so I'm going to take Dos Santos by by decision, uh, and we'll potentially look to par, par, uh, parlay him uh, with somebody I, with who I just don't know uh, how big of a bet I don't know either. But I do like Zaleski here and think he de- thinks he de- think he deserves to be a heavy favorite uh, and potentially parlay worthy as well. So I'm taking Zaleski by decision. <clears throat> All right, that brings us to our main event, Jessica Andrade against Wiley Zhang. Whew. This is this is a fight that I've been waiting for for a while, guys. Um, you know, Zhang has three fights in the UFC, uh, dominant armbar victory over Jessica Aguilar and then she had Two decision victories over Daniel Taylor and Tisha Torres. The Torres fight probably probably being the most impressive in terms of name value. Jessica Aguilar probably being the most impressive in terms of just physical performance. Uh, and in this fight against Jessica Andrade, I think that uh, you know she's really going to get tested. Probably the most she's been tested in her entire UFC career. I think Jessica Andrade will be tested in this fight too. I think this might be the most complete fighter, uh, you know, from striking to grappling to, to just movement to almost everything that Jessica has faced to this to this moment. You know, Joanna jo- Janjacek, great stand-up fighter, uh, great at keeping the fight on the feet, uh, but I think that on the ground, she shows some deficiencies, and I think that in a fight with Wiley Zhang and Joanna Janjacek, we might see Wiley pull off the victory there. Not sure, but... Um, I just think overall, Wiley is probably the most complete fighter that Andrade has fought. So, uh, if she's not able to, you know, uphold her John Lineker type of style, you know, brushing forward, winging shots, and just being the the more aggressive fighter, I think she's going to have trouble here against Wiley Zhang, who probably is the more technical fighter, or at least a more technical striker as well. Uh, she might have success, you know, countering Jessica Andrade in some of these exchanges, though she's not the best in terms of, you know, fighting off her back foot. Um, If she's consistently getting pushed back by Jessica, uh, Wiley's going to have some trouble. uh, But will Andrade be able to do that for all five rounds? Uh, You know, she's shown that she's been able to go five rounds against Yanni and Jacek, uh, you know, even after getting consistently stung. uh, But I don't know, maybe Wiley has a little bit more power than Yanni and Jacek too. You know, Yanni and Jacek is very famous for having that stinging, uh, repetitive and just constantly hitting you style um and then with Wiley I think that she might possess a little bit more power uh than you and p- could probably hurt Jessica Andrade um fuck it's it's this one is a really really tough fight to choose I don't believe Andrade should be as heavy as a, a favorite as minus 185 which is what five times currently has her at um if Wiley somehow someway hits plus 200 I might make a small play on her uh but, uh, you know, if it's anything but that, I think it's a fight that I'm probably going to stay away from. Uh, it's a fight that I really want to enjoy as a spectator as well, you know. Both of these guys, girls have, have very uh, interesting styles and, and it's it's always cool to see how they implement their games. Uh, and I think that we have two contrasting styles here that, you know, kind of give us the ingredients for a really good fight. Um, How much does Wiley kind of try to lean on grappling if that's the way she wants to go? Will she give up strength here? I I think that Andrage is probably the stronger fighter, but Wiley's pretty, you know, built and and thick too and quite, you know, quite strong herself. Um, Fuck. In terms of pick, I'll go with the upset. I'll go with Wiley Shine. I think that she'll land the better shots uh, over the five rounds. I think it's going to go five rounds. I think she'll get the the judge's decision. You know, call it a hometown cooking if you want. But, uh, you know, if she's able to stick and move and, and stay you know, stay away from the big shots, you know, she might eat a couple shots, but as long as she stays away for the majority of the big shots, she might be able to land the better shots here. Um I could see this being like a very close fight. Uh, So in close fights I'll more often than not uh, try to lean with the underdog here Uh, and that's what I'm going to do with Zhang. I'm going to take Zhang to be the first ever UFC Chinese champion. Uh, I believe that she gets the victory here. Um, and I could be wrong. I, I'm a huge fan of Jessica Andrade. don't get me wrong. But I you know, I'm not confident enough to bet Wiley Zhang at the plus one sixty ish range that she's at. But if she hits plus two hundred, I think the value is there on fucking Wiley, you know, especially in such a close fight like this. So uh either way, I'll pick Wiley to win. I think she captures the champion, uh the championship, and that just sets up so many other interesting fights that could possibly happen with her. And with how talented and skilled she is, I could see her possibly holding the title for a little bit um, and probably finally being that fighter the UFC has been looking for to, to kind of break into China uh, and this might be the time for her and I think it's you know I, I think the the matchmakers definitely see that as well which is why they've probably teed this event kind of up for her uh, and to even get Jessica Andrade to, to accept this fight to fight uh, you know on her enemy's home soil as the champion uh, I think that's very courageous of her and, and motivating but you know she Kind of was on the opposite end of that type of thing with uh Rose Nama last time. Last time, you know, Rose actually comes out and fights in Andrade's backyard and then unfortunately gets finished. So we'll see this time around if the, 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 the trend continues and we get a Wiley crazy finish if Jessica Andrage in her on her home turf. So I'll take uh Wiley by decision regardless. Uh, love her at plus 200 if she hits that range. So keep your eye. Out. Keep your eyes out for that or set your best fight odds alert, which is what I normally do. Um, and I'm going to take Zhang. That's it. That's pretty much a wrap on uh, the lock of the night. Sorry, the lock as fuck. It's, it's kind of late. I started a new job today. That's why I'm a little bit more dapper in terms of at least my, my outfit. Um, it's fucking 9.25 right now. I got to work at... Uh, sorry, I got up at 7 o'clock, six thirty seven 7 o'clock. Seven o'clock uh, did my fucking new job. Came in all the way downtown. Then I had to come back out here into the GTA for, uh, to get to my man uh, Big Rob's place uh, to record this. So it's now it's 9.25. I'm surprised I haven't given y'all a full yawn. That's for you, Big Marley. I haven't yawned at once. Now that I'm talking about it, I might actually fucking yawn. But fuck it. Um, all right, so... Follow me at MMALOTN uh, on Twitter. Website is MMALOTN.ca. Uh, fuck, that's pretty much all I got. That's all I got. I'm done. I'll see you guys next week for UFC 242, I believe it is, which is Khabib versus Poirier, which goes down September 7th. I can't fucking wait for that one. A lot of lot of juicy lines on that too, so I can't wait to break that down for you guys. But no bets yet for me for UFC Shenzhen. That should change very shortly so make sure you guys keep your eyes peeled on my uh, timeline uh, and that is it oh also I have a guest with me next week as well since it's a pay-per-view event I can't wait for you guys to hear from him but yeah that's about it I'm done I swear I'm done now i later